We're all in this thing together, Leo. We're good. So what is your major malfunction, Private Pilot? And I, I wanted to start out that way this week because how many of us feel like that? You know, you go through your days, you go through your weeks, you go through all this stuff. And, and what have we been talking a lot about? We've been talking about righteousness and, and how our lack of understanding righteousness is taking us to a really crummy spot in our world. It allows us and puts us right in the forefront of the enemy with no shield, with no armor at all to protect us. And we walk right into it and we get surprised every single time. It's like, well, if you're standing on the edge of the cliff and I come up and go, and you tip over, it's like, well, it's really easy to do that, right? You're teetering on the edge and I just, a little wind will shift you. And God calls us to more than that. Right, he calls us to receive his righteousness. And in his righteousness, it takes away that feeling like we're riding the razor's edge in life. But I get sick and tired of even myself. I get down on myself when I screw something up. Like, oh my gosh, really? That's so stupid. And when I start agreeing with the enemy that that was so stupid... I'm putting myself closer and closer to the edge of the cliff, and I'm becoming easier and easier to knock off the cliff. I'm coming into agreement with the assignment of the enemy, and I'm actually giving him the power and authority over my life, the one that was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm just giving it away. That's not really good for you, and it's not really good for me. So how many times has life left you feeling like Pilate? Yes, that's intended. The phraseology is intended. A lot. A lot. And why? Like, what good is our Christianity? Like, whoopee-doo-dah. Like, how many of you guys, like, actually get excited about your morning? Like, you wake up and you're ready to, you're ready to go. I can't tell the difference with a Christian from, from anybody else. If I were to look on Facebook, 90% of us are putting on, oh, dang it. Or, or we talk, we're just like that. Why are, why are we like that? Why are we coming into agreement? Are we not filled with the light of Christ in us? Are we not filled to the brim with life, with Holy Spirit power, and we act just the same as everybody else? We shouldn't, but it goes right along with everything that we've been talking about. We're going to talk about it. We're going to conclude with my friend Steve coming up from Freeport, who's a life coach. And he's going to walk us through some stuff on righteousness. We're going to cover some of the stuff, and we're going to go over it again. It's that important because, you know, when we give the world the authority to tell us who we are, we've lost the battle. And that means that we're not doing the very thing. So, so... Why? Why are you in agreement with it? Because, unfortunately, the church doesn't really talk about righteousness very much. We don't know what that means. And last week, we defined it as what? Right, being right with God, being in right standing with God. But what does that mean? It should. But for most of us, it means next to nothing. And you can follow us. You can follow us from the minute we walk out of church until we put our tushies right back in church the next week. And there's not a whole lot of difference. How many of us are building relationships and good relationships in our fellowship time at church where we can call somebody throughout the week when we need help when we're down? We got a couple. Okay. This is something that should be normal. Like the church, everybody says, well, it's the pastor's job. No, it is not. I love to do it. And yes, I'm blessed to, to love to be in a relationship with everybody. But I can't possibly love up on all of you guys. If all of you guys have an issue at the same time, how many times would I be a jerk because I couldn't get to my phone? I really needed you and you didn't answer. <coughs> A lot. Yeah. I 
can, but I shouldn't. So that's the deal. It's like when we understand righteousness, we start understanding that we're valuable, that we're strong, that we're more than all of the stuff. We are more than piles. We are, but if we don't understand it, if we don't start getting this, then every stupid little thing that comes up our way is going to throw us off track. Anybody got a temper? Why do you have a temper? What's going on? What's what's got up in your crawl? Because that's given them the power. And if you understood your righteousness in God, you wouldn't give them that power. Because they don't have it. You give it to them. There is no action that anybody should be able to do to you that can take you out of that. Now, I think we all fail at it, whether you raise your hand or not. I'm going to call Kyle on that one. But... Um, But we all need to recognize, we all need to get to this place where we're understanding this righteousness. Because it's so very, very vital. Do you feel like the world keeps getting in your face, but you don't have answers for them? Anybody married? How's that working out for you? You are. You want a different answer? Why you sit this close to The deal is... Why is it the ones that we love take take the brunt of our crap? Why is it? It's a great question. Why is it that our close even if you even if you're not married, your closest friend takes the brunt of it? The problem is not that your friend or your spouse has an issue and comes to you with a problem. The problem is that they come with a problem that I don't know how to deal with. You've hit me in such a way that you've knocked me off the cliff. Now i got nothing to do but grab at straws. I'm trying to grab your legs. I'm taking it out with me. And the whole thing sucks. Next thing you know, we're blowing up into a dead-burn fight over nothing. It's like, what the heck were we so mad about? Well, don't you remember? You didn't hand me a napkin? <coughs> really? We're getting divorced over a napkin? Well, guess you learned. There's stuff like that that's so stupid that happens, whether it be in a marriage, whether it be in our relationships, in our lives, because we're not walking in the righteousness of Christ. How many of us in our daily lives can count the number of times that we did something that required Jesus to die on the cross? Why would he have to die on the cross for us? Is it for your flare-up of temper? Is it for your impatience? Is it for your selfishness? Everything. No, so that you can have it. I think that's why he died on the cross, is so that I could get angry whenever I want to. I could take things out of context. I could, I could uh, just not work on stuff. He died so we could receive forgiveness for our sins. Oh, don't start with that hogwash, Mr. Religious Man. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's not how we live. No, I'm not saying that's how we live, but that's why he died for us. I love your point. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. But why don't we is the point. And this is the thing that we got to get to. Like Jesus died, and we're going to figure out why he died so that we can receive that. Each and every one of us need to receive it and understand what the right standing with God actually is. Right? Because I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of not having a safe place where I can go to just blow a stack and they know that I'm not mad at them. And it's not going to come back at me. Wouldn't that be great? To build relationships in and out of the home, in and out of the church, so strong and so beautiful that we actually get to be there for one another. We don't form little coups. We don't talk behind each other's backs. We don't we don't complain, we don't do all that stuff because we're emotionally healthy, because we are spiritually filled. When you are filled with the Spirit, you have no room for that garbage. None. If you find yourself a gossip and a slander and you're tearing people apart in your backyard, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You're real close to the edge. You might think that you're right, but you're still wrong. So I say you can be right as rain and still be wrong as hell. 
and I will preach that till the day I die. Because you and I, we better get our stuff together. Because there's a world coming down around us that is going to Hades in a handbasket. And it requires the church and the believers to stand up in right standing with God the Father, locking arms and going into battle and getting this thing taken care of. We don't need to kill babies. We don't need to do the stuff that's going on around the world. We don't need to do that. We do not need to pander to, the, to Satan. We do not need to. But instead, we stand back and we go, hmm, somebody else will take care of that. I'll pray. You are not alone. But where did it all start? I mean, how did we get here? Was it God's plan for us to feel this way? For us to not walk into a destiny that he created for us? If I asked anybody in here, and I said, what is the call on your life? What is it that you are called to do? Love my neighbor. Okay, that's a good one. But beyond that, that's one of the commandments. But your specific call. Love neighbors I don't want to love. <laughs> Serve God. Serve God, okay, so love God, love neighbor. These are commandments, and those are good, but those are different. So my call is to be a pastor. And I have several other anointings that God has given me, so he's blessed me with the gift of hospitality, right? Like, that's one of the things, that's like my jam. I love serving people. My call is the discipleship after Jesus Christ and walk like him the best I can until I get out of here. For you or for others? For me. Okay. How about, how does that work with others then? See, and these are the things. It's, it's great. I am so happy that we are stuttering to get to this one. Because this is the problem in the Western church. We think that our only thing to be a Christian is to walk in the door and say, Hallelujah. Kumbaya, Kumbaya. I don't even know how that song goes. That was really bad. You were on track. What's that? Close. Okay. I thought it was pitch perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing that we get to in the safety of the church. To look around and see everybody in this room go, I don't know. I don't know. This is something that you do. But what's your call? What does it look like? Uh, I'm talking about God every day, talking about my testimony. To who? Uh, everybody. Right, but you're on your farm a lot of the time. Well, but I buy them at the store and I buy them at. You talk about Jesus every time you walk into Walmart? I do. Sometimes. No, these are, they're, they're fine, and I'm not belittling what you're doing. Don't hear that. Yep. What I'm saying is that each and every one of us has a call specific to us. Dave is for healing. They've got an anointing. The bond, they have an anointing on their life for healing. They have a call from God to work into the healing ministry to heal people. You know, Beth is a teacher. Paul is a teacher. Leon is an absolutely amazing, kind-hearted, and loving man. Robert, sitting next to him, is about the same. Just compassionate, loving men. But how often in this culture... Can you be a loving man without somebody thinking you're a little light in your loafers? Like, how did it get there? Right. Because the church stopped leading and they started following. They started following something other than Christ because they stopped listening. We stopped doing, we stopped understanding what righteousness meant. The pastor started preaching pixie dust and, and unicorns. It's like, what? I can't do it anymore. I don't care if that little black box gets filled or not. I don't. I can give a rip. I would much rather have y'all know the truth 
And if you know the truth and you walk out of here mad at me and you never come back, I'm fine with that. I prefer you come back because then we can continue to work. When you start to feel the burr in your saddle, then you know you better make an adjustment. Stop, loosen some stuff up, get it out of there, whatever you got to do to get the burr out of your saddle. Each and every one of us, when we start to recognize the righteousness of Christ, we start to recognize that, you know what, emotionally I'm a mess. And I've just been drifting through this thing called life the best that I possibly can. And I'm leaving a trail of tears behind me, and I'm fearful of what's up ahead of me. And if you're anywhere around me, I'm a tornado at any given point in time. And it doesn't have to come across as anger. Passive-aggressive behavior is huge. It's huge. So what is God's plan for us? So I'm going to pray, and then we'll start the message. Okay. So Father God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace. Lord God, I thank you that you would bless the hearts and minds of all these people sitting right here. Lord, that you would fill them, that you would help them, that you would help them to just receive what it is that you have today, Lord. It's not about me speaking words, but it's about you speaking through me, Father God. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. So Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. There's one that stumbles for you. What sex is God? Is he? What's that say? Right there on the B blade. Okay, that's his common pronoun. Hombre. Oftentimes called father. Keep going. What's after that? Read it. It's okay. It's the word of God, unaltered. That is the word of God. Amen. Is he? So it says God created man. Him. Male and female. Male and female, he created them. But he's always referred to as father and him. Right. That's his pronouns. Well, see, one of the one of the deals is that God, what what we fail to wrap our heads around is that God is beyond time and space. He is beyond what we are. So He thinks infinitely. We think finitely. We think only with what we can see. And God is the creator of all things, male and female, all the animals and how they do their little thingies. He created it all. He came up with the whole thing. So that's not the point of the message here. And God bless them. Right there is the point. 28, the first four words. And God blessed them. Who did he bless? Man and a woman. He blessed them. Now how many other things in his creation did he say, and he blessed? Zero. Every other thing, he said, and it was good. And he moved on. But male and female, he blessed us. So God, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of creation, has a blessing for us to receive. But how many days do we feel like we're blessed? Right? Did we just talk about, hey, for Mondays. I hate Mondays. Oh, Tuesdays are just as bad as Mondays. Wednesday. Hope it. Woohoo. God blessed us. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Is that a pretty big deal or is that a little deal? Like God is telling us to fill the world. Sorry. <laughs> I know. The guy said, you wouldn't even hardly hear my kids. They just, he just goes in there and plays and gets up and up. Who are you talking about? Not my kids. Oh, yeah. Your <laughs> husband said that. He was trying to tell me that, that Junior is quiet. He'll just go in there and play. You won't even know. Before you learn to learn how to talk, 
No, before he learned to get out of the womb. <laughs> that boy hit the ground at about 180 miles. I love that kid. I love it. I walk in there and he looks at me and he just smiles. <laughs> Whatever reason, I got a bond with that little boy. But back to the main point. I digress. So is it a big deal or a little deal? So we're blessed and we got a huge responsibility. We have the power and the authority to fulfill it, right? All right? And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you think you're a big deal or a little deal? You need to start figuring it out. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself because you are a big deal in the kingdom of God. And it's to be the kingdom of God that rules this planet, that, that actually takes dominion over it. We just read it, did we not? We are to have dominion over it. But we submit like a bunch of wimps and don't do anything about much of anything. Why? Because somewhere along the lines, we're going to get here, right here. Genesis 3, 5 and 11. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What did you know before that? You didn't know. You didn't even know there was good and evil. You walked around. What comes here? What is introduced in this story? Sin. Which led to what? How did they feel? Shame. Absolutely. They felt shame. And he said... I heard the sound of you in the garden. So they had a relationship with God so much that they could hear his footsteps and they knew who he was. And I was afraid because I was naked. Up until then, what were they? They were living as spirit beings before they became that earthly mindset. You see, because in the spirit, we don't have to worry about those things. We don't worry about the things that are not of the earth. Or those things that are of the earth, I guess I should say. But once that happened, shame came. We started getting eyes to see. And now all of a sudden, nudity is a bad thing. We knew all these things as good and evil. And it's important for us to recognize what happened. Because if we don't understand what happened when the serpent led Adam and Eve astray, something changed. Our righteousness was taken away in that one act. In the one act. Well, he could see him. It wasn't like floating off in the spirit world or nothing. That's true. Right? So, so again, we have to be able to think a little bit deeper. And you're right on track. It's a great question, Pat. But God gives him permission to name off. Oh, he gave him more than he gave him more than permission. He gave him more than permission. He gave him the responsibility and the authority. You ever do a job where they give you the responsibility to do it, but you don't have the authority to do make any of the changes you need to make? Right? Like you work somewhere and they tell you you got to do this, so you go and do this. It's like, hey, how do I pay for this? We'll figure it out. Next to know, you get there next week and you're like, why is none of this stuff done? Well, because you didn't give me the ability to do it. You gave me the responsibility, but you didn't give me the authority. I called in a PO number and it didn't work because I'm not I'm not the person registered to be able to charge to the account, so they refused it, and you wouldn't answer an email. Now you're PO'd, you're screaming, you're hurt, you're upset. The flesh was born, that which God did not create for us, create us for. What did we see repeated so many times in the Old Testament? 
the Old Testament, like a lot of people say, well, the Old Testament's not really important to worry about. You know, just read the New Testament. Nobody listened. Nobody listened. Absolutely. Because what did God do in the garden? He said, all right, guys, I'm giving you all this stuff. And all you have to do, don't eat that. That's it. That is it. You got all this other stuff. It's all yours. But don't eat that. And it just continued on and on and on. Exodus 19, 3 through 6. God bringing restoration to the nation of Israel and giving them a few marching orders. Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. <laughs> failed. They failed. What was their big job? Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. They failed. God continues to promise Israel good things, but Israel apparently had other ideas. That's why I say, like, if we understand our right standing with God, we have eyes to see that which God is calling us to, and we don't walk out into the ignorance of blindness. We have a spiritual blindness over us that stops us from doing the very things that God is calling us to do. And it's silly, so Israel keeps doing it. Joshua 3, 4, they get brought over the Jordan to the land of milk and honey. This is a big promise. Who got that promise? Who got, the, who got it? Moses got the promise about going to the land of milk and honey. Moses did some silly things, not listening, knocked the rock twice, gets taken out up on the hill. Like, dude, look over there. That's where you should have been going. But you had other ideas. Now Joshua's coming. He's going to take us across. Right? They get some more rules. Keep faith. <clears throat> Failed again. And you just keep reading through the Old Testament. It's time after time after time. God loves them. He brings them up. He builds them up into a great nation. Gives them all the blessings. Not enough. How many of you guys got a struggle chasing the world? <laughs> like the world, like all the things that the world can get. How much money is enough money? How much is enough enough? There's one very trillion. few. What's that? One trillion. One trillion. Okay, Josh. But very few people. The funny thing is, is you're kind of you're kind of that person that either you're chasing after this or you're chasing after this or you're chasing after this or this or whatever it is so you can pick at anybody about what they're chasing but what I want to know is where's the fruit where's the love where's the joy where's the peace where's the, all the things that come with the right relationship with God God's not calling us to be paupers. There's absolutely no problem with prosperity. None. None. Very few people get the call to be poor for the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you can't be in the kingdom of God and still not have money. Right? But a lot of it's because of our poverty mindset. We get into this. We get outside of the righteousness of God and we start falling into the victim mentality and we feel like we're not worth anything, so then we self-sabotage. We stop actually trying to do things. The opposite of that is the only thing that more ever wants is more. You never get to a point where enough's enough. Israel never got to a point where enough was enough. God gave them everything, mounds, mounds. Remember the little dude by the name of Joseph? Right? Had the cool jacket. And what did he do? He got sold into slavery by his own brothers because they were jealous of his placement in the family. He went to Egypt. 
He became popular with the Pharaoh. He became second in power. He saved Africa, and he saved Israel from the, the uh, famine. Remember, because he, he had the dream, and he stored it all up. So he was able to disperse it, and he gave it out to everybody. What happened to Israel after that? They screwed up again. But you and I do the same thing. And this is where understanding the righteousness of Christ is so very valuable. Because it's insanity to keep doing the same thing and expecting something different. And if you actually look at your life and you understand the importance of understanding this, you'll start to recognize the patterns that you do. If you have the ability to be honest with yourself, you will recognize the patterns that you continuously repeat. But of course you're going to keep repeating them because those that keep you down are not from God. You're at you're a three degrees from getting right to where God is calling you to be, but you refuse to change the three degrees because at some point in time you're going to have to suck up your pride, admit you were wrong, and do something different. That's the beauty of the church. It's supposed to be the beauty of the church. We're supposed to be a community that can build one another up. We're supposed to be a safe place. I hear Christians all the time that say, you're not supposed to judge. <laughs> Have you ever read the Bible? Have you ever read it? We're called to hold one another accountable. But how are we called to hold one another accountable? Don't come at me with this higher than mighty attitude telling me about what I did wrong and you're doing and you're doing it you're bringing correction to me so that we can keep our eyes off of you. And that happens so oftentimes with all of us. And it's silly. We don't have to do that. We can receive that righteousness of Christ we can receive healing. We can forget. We can receive forgiveness. We can actually receive all these things and start living our life differently. But we have to. We have to walk with God. We have to get to that place where we understand who He is and who we are in Him. Otherwise, we're just going to be like Israel. We're going to keep messing things up. So, what did Jesus come for? Was there any earthly message to it? Andrew Murray in his book, Absolute Surrender, says this. We need to realize that because we have so much of that self-life in us, the power of God cannot work in us as mightily as God desires. So this is a, it goes back again to the call on your life. And whether you believe what God is actually doing in you and through you, if you've dealt with your emotional stuff, if you've dealt with the spiritual stuff that you brought inside, and now you're free and clear from that stuff, you can rise up and do what God is calling you to do because you're not worried about yourself. Most of us are in a self-preservation mode. Right? No matter what it is, whether it be lying, whether it be whatever, we do this sort of thing. It's like, gosh, what are we doing? We're selling ourselves so short. And God has so much more for us. Like how beautiful would it be to actually come together as a family and be able to be able to call somebody on Tuesday and say, you know what, man, I'm having such a hard time. They can hop in their car and come on over and talk. And you just work it out. There's no judgment. There's none of that. He also says he is waiting to take charge of every heart that is willing to surrender itself to him. Are you willing to surrender your life to God? And I'm not talking about just a Sunday school answer. Because everybody says, oh yeah, I will. I want for real. I've been doing this for 14 years and I still struggle. I'm honest about my struggles for a reason. Because I don't want you guys to think that I'm any better than anybody else. And if the pastor could have struggles in this world, then it's okay for you to as well. 
right? And, and once we realize that we're all, we all are a mess at some level, we can come together and we can care and share and love one another. We don't have to do this thing alone because divided we fall, but united we stand. And we are all brothers and sisters of Christ. And when we can, when we can take that time to say, Jody, you know what, you know what, hun? I've been noticing that you're swearing an awful lot, man. And I know that's not who you've been. But bro, what's going on, man? Can I help you? You see, there's a difference. And I don't know that you do, Jody, or not. I, I don't know, and you don't need to tell me. Quit picking up. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is that we 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 can see what's going on with one another. We can bring correction and love. It's not that I stand over Jody as as I'm his boss because I'm the pastor. I stand under Jody and I lift him up and I hold him up and I help him to get it to his feet and I help him to become secure in the world so that he can do what he's called to do. Absolutely. What do we do? So there's the importance of going to church. See, because for a lot of people, it's about putting a five dollar bill in the box, checking the box, and said, "Yep, I went to church. I'm good." Right? That's what it is. That's what it is. I learned that really early in my walk with God. Sunday only Christians. Socks. tell you what, some of us are there 75% of the time, some of us are there 20% of the time, but the deal is that we can help and we can love and we can encourage one another, amen? And it's really important that we start doing these things, that we start loving one another. Jesus came to set the captives free. Who's in prison? What do you, what do you, what do you mean, set the captives free? I ain't never been in prison. I ain't there now. So I guess I can rip those pages off. Right? Can't we just do that? We'll just cut those pages out of the Bible, all the parts of reference present, because I'm not there. What do you mean, though? No, because everybody has something that they're chained to. That's good. Everybody has something that they're chained to. Amen. And a lot of it's the past. What's that? Their will. Their will. Chained to their will. That's really good. Yeah. Like, I only need Jesus when my way screws up. Oh, Lord, help me out of this one. <laughs> right. But why? Ding, 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 ding. Good job. That's the world. You're in the world, but not of the world. So how's it the world? See, this is where it gets tricky, but this is where it starts setting us free, because... When we actually recognize that it's more than just a Sunday school answer, now we start making changes. Now things start getting exciting because now I can start getting built up. I can start rising up. I can start feeling the strength from God actually empowering me to walk with assertiveness. How many times has somebody told you you're a jerk and all you're doing is being assertive and they knock you back down and tell you you're an arrogant jerk? It's like, dude. That's not, that's not okay, that's not right, it's not accurate, it's not good. So, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Who said that? Sunday school answer. From the book of Luke. Sunday school answer. No. I'll give you a hint. He died on a big stick. Hey! Jesus. Jesus said that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind. We are those who are blinded. We are blinded by the world. 
We're blinded by a world that wants to tell us who we are and what we are. We're blinded by a world that constantly wants us to stay down. Because if we can get you to live at 75% capacity and you think that you're happy, then keep going. God didn't save you 75% of the way. He saved you 100%. You are blood-bought, born-again believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not to be held captive by the lies of the enemy. You cannot afford to live in that space. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How many of you live life abundantly and your abundance is based solely on things? Stuff. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a whatever. Call it whatever it is. How many of us? We absolutely have struggle. I absolutely struggle with this world. Absolutely struggle. I was talking with a friend today about how God has been working on me for about six or eight months to try and build me back up to that place when it just started. Because when it first started my relationship with God, I would take off of work Thursday, Friday, and Monday just to go to conferences all the time. I didn't give a rip-roaring stinky do about nothing except coming to know Jesus, coming to spend time with him. I would give up anything to be with him. But now, oh, it's been gone for some time. It's all right back here. See, Brenda, I have to be honest. I don't get the liberty to hide behind a veil or a mask. I can't do it. Because if I hide back here, then you guys think that that's cool. And it's not. It's not cool for any of us. But the sooner that we realize that we are worthy of being reborn, to be being rebirthed, to being set free from all that stuff, the sooner we'll actually live a life that brings glory and honor to God. And I'm not saying at the lower levels you can't. I'm just saying you're not living into the fullness of it. So of course you're angry. When, when something in your spirit is calling you to more, and you got the brakes on so hard and you just keep pulling and all you do is get exhausted? Like, I just can't get over that hill. What do you think? Where does it come from? What, what's going on? There's something holding us back. I'm not going to touch on this one a lot because when Steve comes up, hopefully in a few weeks, he's going to wear this one out for you, I pray. Because this is his thing. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Steal, kill, and destroy. Your destinies are being stolen. Your dreams are being killed. Your hope is being destroyed. Why do you think Monday mornings suck so bad? I love Mondays. <laughs> One in every crowd. <laughs> but why do you why do you think that is? Why do you think we can't get up with with fire in our belly to tackle the day? It's getting easier, and it'll get easier when you recognize your right standing with God, because nothing or no one has the right to take away your identity. But we give it away freely as soon as a customer comes in the store and they're screaming and complaining and saying it's really hard to fight that back. For me, clients, when I'm doing construction work for them and I give them exactly what they wanted, I didn't want that. That's like, oh, oh, okay. So this drawing and this picture and all this stuff didn't tell you what we were doing. Like that that's your signature right there, right? Because by this time, of course, I'm really happy with that. <coughs> and it doesn't always happen. Well, you know, the illustration is that 
that people can get us down, people can tear us down, but when we're walking in right standing with God, it happens less and less and less and less. We actually start living, we actually start living with joy. We're excited for the days to come. Like, wake up with fire in your belly because today you might get to go to Walmart and you might get to actually be the light of Christ to somebody who needs it so badly. We have been slaves to sin, slaves to unrighteousness, and slaves to shame. Jesus came to set the captives free. Who's in prison? He came to teach us. He came to love us. He came to share the truth about who we are. That's important that we get to know this stuff. When he left, he sent Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Romans 8.1, Therefore now is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What do you think, Dave? You look like you have something to say. Okay. What's condemnation? That's that feeling. That is shame. It's actually in... It's actually in the word shame, like the definition of it. That's okay, we'll say it afterwards. <laughs> Condemnation is all about trying to tell us who we are. So if I tell you you're beautiful and amazing, or you're absolutely wonderful, or I tell you that you're smart, and you immediately go to, no I'm not, shut up, that's not true. Why? Why can you not receive it? How hard is it to say thank you? It's pretty hard when you're dealing with shame. It's pretty hard to receive blessing from people. It's pretty hard to think that anybody would actually give a rip or a sticky do enough to actually say something kind. Because you're beating yourself up as it is. But there's no more condemnation. One last note, 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we live our lives always remembering what Jesus Christ did on the cross, remembering that he changed us from victims to victors. We're no longer the tail, we're the head. We're conquerors. We're not the defeated. The victory's already been won. The veil's already been torn. We are the righteousness of Christ Jesus, and therefore, when we don't take the righteousness of Christ Jesus seriously, what are we doing? We're virtually shaming what Jesus did on the cross and saying, no, that was good for whatever, but not for me. See, Jesus, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done or where I've been, so how could you possibly save me? Quit playing Israel. Absolutely he knows you. And he still chose to get up on that cross for you. The sins of your yesterday, today, and tomorrow are not any of his concern because he paid for it already. So if he doesn't worry about it, why do you? And it's not so that you can live in, in sin, that you can keep doing whatever you're doing. It means that the righteousness and the conviction of the righteous one plays in our hearts and calls us to a different tune. We do things differently because we have a relationship with God. We understand our right standing. And so just like even though we fight as couples, we still want the best for our partner. It might not always look like that. But Jesus Christ is always calling us up. And he's always calling us out. He is always there to be an encourager. You have the Holy Spirit in you. When you're not doing right, he knows it. And so do you. Turn from it. Repent. Repent. Turn from your sinful ways and walk straight to the Lord. We can all do it. And we need each other to understand these pieces. We need to understand our righteousness. It is so important. So important. It's that piece that brings the, the cross back to flesh. 
Christ. We're saved. We're forgiven. We are loved and we are blessed. Can we recognize that there's something more to this Christianity thing than going to church? Don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Keep coming back. I love you. And I'd get really bored here for three hours by myself. So for no other reason to come and keep you company. But I'm sure there'll be a few other things we can do along the way. I love our fellowship time. I love preaching the word of God. I love hanging out with you guys. I love it. Each one of you guys means something special to me. And you mean something special to God. So much so that if you were the only one, he would have sent his son to die for you. You are worth saving. So he saved you. So let me pray and we'll call it a day. So Father God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you, Father God. I thank you, Lord, and I pray a special anointing and a blessing over each person here, Lord, that you would help us all to understand what, what your righteousness is. The fact that you died on a cross and gave us your Holy Spirit, that when we receive you, we receive your righteousness, that we might live transformed and renewed lives, not being of the old. The old Adam is done. The new Adam has come. The new life in and through you, Lord, is here for us as a free gift. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for blessing. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the cross. Amen. Amen. Leon, could you shut that off, please? Don't say it. Anybody in for bagel? Now, no. <laughs> 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 now, no.